Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 40. We are in full off-season mode, and you will find that out by the topics that we talk about today. As always, I am joined by my buddy Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's up, KP? It may be the off-season, but the 49ers continue to give us content through the off-season. We got to thank them for that. We always have stuff to talk about. How's it going? We definitely do. We have dinner parties with the 49ers brass. We have quarantine Jimmy. And we have rookie <laughs> mini camps and just, you know, actual football, tangible things to talk about. So let's start with the top. The 49ers had their rookie mini camp this past Friday. And, you know, the reporters that were on hand, you know, they're giving us the information that Trey Lance, 20 for 24. Uh, we had, I honestly still do not know how to pronounce the Oregon quarterback's name. And that will be the Oregon quarterback's name until I can figure that out. We'll call him Mr. Lenore. He had a really, really good rep. One rep where he ate Austin Watkins up at the line of scrimmage made actually a very good catch that I feel like is probably the most impressive part of that play. And from there, you know, he is instantly CB1 on the team, baby, because that's what we do. We overreact to any and every piece of news. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't on hand, and I'm going to go to when they have actual mini camp when the veterans are there. And then training camp is really when you will be able to get a, a good idea of what the 49ers are, who they are, what they look like as far as the position, the position battles go. So what was your takeaway from this rookie mini camp? Because oddly enough, it was supposed to be three days. We only had, you know, one day of information. So essentially like 30 minutes worth of takes. What, what, was, yeah. your, what was your take? That last part that you mentioned is probably my biggest takeaway. So the rookie mini camp ran from Friday to Sunday. Uh, yet the media was only allowed to be on hand for, I think, 30 minutes on Friday. And obviously, you and I didn't go. Um, and then Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday was closed off to the media. And normally, they you know send us a B roll with pictures and video of just what went on at practice. This happened last season uh, from 49ers practices and training camp and things like that because media wasn't allowed to be on hand for a lot of the season because of COVID. And yet, we didn't get that on Saturday and Sunday. And I thought that was really interesting. It, it felt like the team was trying to really conceal what was going on. Uh, with their rookie quarterback primarily in, in Trey Lance and and not let any, you know, uh, video or anything like that get out, which I thought was just kind of interesting. Uh, but, I mean, what can you really take away from, like, 30 minutes of practice? I mean, they're in shorts and, you know, uh, shorts and a shirt. There's no defense. There's no pass rush. He's just thrown against air, so you'd expect him to complete a lot of these passes. Uh, which he did, and and you know a lot of the takes were that they were short checkdowns, and that's fine. It's his first NFL practice, um, you know, probably his first practice in like a year, over a year, probably I'd assume, because North Dakota State didn't really have a season. So uh, it's cool to see the guys on the field uh, in the 49ers jerseys, but to honestly take away anything skill wise from that is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, there's just nothing really that matters that they could do Friday that will help them climb up the depth chart come minicamp, come training camp, because they'll be able to make a name for themselves. And speaking of, the 49ers did sign Marquise Lee. But again, there were, I believe there were 22 players on hand. The person who was drafted in 2014 better freaking stand out, right? Like that should be very simple. <laughs> He's been around for a long, long time. He was a high draft pick. So perhaps the Marquise Lee from, you know, standing out, but that should be expected. So I want to see, you know, what he looks like when he has to go up against 
the Diamador Lenores of the world. <laughs> hey, you got the name right there. You go. Future All Pro, of course, after we only saw one rep, and that's the only rep that matters. Uh, but yeah, when, as you mentioned, 22 people. There, no, nobody is in the trenches. Let's see how the quarterbacks look when the bullets are flying. Let's see how the cornerbacks look when you know they have to guard for an extra second or so, or they're not guarding a an undrafted free agent. So uh, that's when the the stakes will be risen, and that's what I really want to see when you know there are actually eleven people on the field on both sides of the ball. So uh, real quick on Marquise Lee, does he make the roster? I don't think he makes the roster. Um, Yes, the 49ers do have a question mark at the third wide receiver spot, the slot wide receiver spot. I think there's enough competition in-house. I just question uh, what Marquise Lee looks like coming off of his injuries and just missing so much time uh, in the past. Um, So I personally don't think he makes the roster, but I think he just is veteran competition. Uh, just someone with NFL experience who can kind of bring these young cats along. It's it's like a Kevin White swing for the fences type of move where if you get anything out of Marquise Lee, then great. But if you don't, you're not missing anything. You're not going to feel bad about signing him to a veteran minimum contract at this stage. So um, you, you always take a chance on guys, especially when they are athletically gifted and skilled. And Lee fits the mold of what Shanahan wants to do. You would imagine, anyway, just a guy that you know is good with the ball in his hands. He can run. He can really run. And he's also a competitive kind of guy, too. So those are typically the three things that Shanahan wants in a receiver. So you mentioned that there there is a hole at wide receiver three. And uh, I feel like you know even Shanahan himself is underselling that. He's, he's made some comments just this offseason. So it, it, it always is going to come back to you know what they can do with Jalen Hurd. What is Jalen Hurd going to give them? Because by now – I mean, he was drafted in 2018, but Richie James just hasn't yet to – he has yet to take that step. And while he has flashed in a couple of games, it's mostly been because, you know, just like throwback screens or when he was just wide open down the field. Um, I, I don't know how much more you're going to get out of Richie James. So that's why I ask, you know, whether it's going to be Lee, whether it's going to be Hurd or whoever else it may be, a name that Julio. people want. There it is. Julio Jones, what can the 49ers do to acquire Julio Jones? So last week, uh, it was a guy, I forgot, I think it's ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. He was on ESPN saying that he would be surprised if Julio was on the Falcons come the start of the season. So that is not far away. We're talking uh, three and a half months, four months. So uh, teams are going to inquire for Julio Jones. I don't know. He is 32. I know he is banged up constantly. I also know he has a heavy price tag at the same time. It is Julio Jones, and when he is on the field, even knowing all of his injuries, he is still one of the better receivers in the NFL. He is just such a terror to guard, and knowing what the 49ers have on their roster, there is nobody that should prevent them from inquiring about Julio Jones. However, you know, the the price tag will be difficult to fit in. They might have to, you know, restructure – um, there's a lot going on in that scenario. But what do you think about the idea of acquiring Julio Jones? And should it be something realistic that the 49ers should consider? I do think Julio Jones does get traded, uh, like you alluded to. Um, not only Jeremy Fowler, but I was listening to the Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith. He was on uh, another podcast, Bustin' with the Boys, I think. And he was talking about, he lamented about how the Falcons just didn't have any cap space this season to spend in free agency. And he mentioned that, like three or four times about how they just didn't have money 
to, I think, even sign their own draft class, if I'm not mistaken. So that just it just kind of got the ball rolling. And then obviously I think Matt Ryan was asked about it uh, a couple days ago. And he kind of said, I can't imagine a future without Julio. It seems like they're setting up for a goodbye. And when a player like of that caliber is on the trade block, the 49ers are usually in the mix. At least they'll pick up the phone, make a call, make an offer, uh, see kind of what the asking price is. So I'm sure they will be in the mix. If Julio Jones does become available later this summer, and especially given what they are missing at the wide receiver spot. Um, I know everyone has high expectations for Brandon Ayuk, but he is going to be a second-year guy, and it's unfair to put superstar expectations on him. Debo Samuel, fantastic, but he's been banged up. Been banged up a little bit, so you know, is he going to stay healthy for a 17-game season? That remains to be seen. And then obviously the rest of the guys on the depth chart is just, is just kind of a question mark. So yes, if you get the opportunity, the cost is right, you... You know, 100 times out of 100, you swing for the fences with Julio Jones. Um, but again, it, like you mentioned, it just comes down to what the asking price is, who else is in on him, and can they really acquire him. But I'm sure Julio would be praying to the gods that he could reunite with Kyle Shanahan and get himself out to the Bay Area. Yeah, if there's somebody that he would want to play for, I'd imagine it would be the person who helped, you know, have hit one of the better seasons of his career. So. Yeah, Julio Jones, great player, still a great player. Uh, it's just a matter of will they be outbid? How serious are they about acquiring another threat? And the one thing that might go against him is if the, the Falcons start off and they're struggling, they would probably sell Julio. But if they're going to do that and not wait till the midseason when teams typically sell those players, uh, a, a team like, I don't know, I mean, the Patriots or any, like any team who really, really needs a wide receiver – um, might be willing to pay more than the 49ers. So um, at the top of the show, we talked about quarantine Jimmy. There was a picture floating around the interwebs on Monday afternoon where Jimmy was arriving to camp. And instantly, 49ers fans didn't see the same type of muscle tone, we will call it, <laughs> in one quarterback. And when thought, you know, uh, Jimmy G might have added a few pounds here and there. I, I didn't take it as something, you know, that was – night and day from what we're used to seeing, but naturally people are going to have fun with that. What was your reaction to the picture of Jimmy? So the 49ers uh, main account tweeted out a video of all the players arriving. And that was their way of kind of saying, Hey, look, look at our main guys. They're all coming out to these, you know, optional organized team activities. And I was just scrolling through that video and I saw Jimmy just have this huge smile and immediately, my first thought was, oh, yeah, no shit. He's about to make $600,000, uh, which is a workout bonus for attending these OTAs. So, hell, yeah, he's thrilled. He's just cashing in a fat check. Um, so that was my first reaction. It was more of his smile, not necessarily his extra pounds. But then the replies on Twitter and some DMs I got were just like, holy shit, he looks way thicker. Uh, he looks like he added a lot of weight. You know, one person was like, yeah, one person was like, it's not freshman 15, it's quarantine 20. And I was like, Jesus, you guys are relentless. I mean, let the man live. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo just went through a hell of an offseason where his name was basically tied to every team that maybe needed a quarterback. You know, his own coach questioned if he was going to be alive on Sunday. Like he went through (laughs) the ringer. So I'm sure he had a lot of ice cream. Uh, a lot of Italian food back home, and you know he's, he's going to be fine. Uh, he's never, you know, we've seen him up close. He's never been like this, like well built, like 
muscular dude. He's he's kind of thick. I wouldn't say he's like unathletic, but I, I don't think he looked any worse than he normally does. But yeah, I I just thought it got kind of taken like way out of context a little bit, and people just ran off with it when it's just not a giant deal. Are you saying that the internet took something out of context? That never happened. <laughs> that has never happened. Oh, honestly, the only thing, and I'm glad you brought this up, just with his his name essentially being dragged through the mud all off season by yeah. everybody. And even if you were, you know, big team Jimmy, leading up to the draft, all we heard was he was going to get traded to the point where it seemed like even the bigger names who were the, the names were who, you know, were very sure that Jimmy was coming back and even though he did, were were softening their stance and saying that, yeah, well, here's how the team's gonna be with a rookie and, and saying what the team would look like, what the, the kind of compensation they would get back with Jimmy because all of the information was out there. So my first or my only takeaway really from that is uh, the 29-year-old quarterback has a lot more gray hairs today than he, he does. did six months ago. So the, the grays were coming in for Jimmy. That's uh, that's enough uh, breaking down of one signal picture for me. Go ahead. What do you got? That's such a good point. For a, I mean, even last season he had a lot of grays and – now as a 29 year old, like he has a lot of gray hair for someone that's still in their twenties. I mean, yeah, I get the stresses of, you know, NFL quarterbacking is all time high, but you look at some of the older guys around the league and I feel like they don't gray as quickly as Jimmy Garoppolo does. Uh, pr- pretty nuts to see. Just imagine. He looks like a president that's like gray <laughs> through their four years in office. Yeah. I mean, he's, it was a probably a very stressful season because he's coming off of, you know, a Super Bowl. The, the expectations were sky high. And he didn't make it very long. And he was injured. And when he did play, he was not playing well. And while, you know, we, we have to put some of that on the injuries, I'm sure he's well aware that part of that was, you know, his play as well. So, yeah, uh, Rob just asked a great question. More grays, Kyle Shanahan or Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, Kyle has just <laughs> aged 15 years in four years. Uh, Jimmy yep. aged about two two years in one year. So the answer is Kyle here because I feel like he has just gone through so much more um, just during their tenure. What, what's your answer there, uh, Kosh? Kyle Shanahan, 1,000%. I mean, you look at his baby face from like 2017 when he yeah. did his like intro press conference and you look at his press conference from like after the season ended and he just looked like miserable and like grayed out and – bags under his eyes and just yeah he looked like he aged like 20 years in about four seasons everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sure and i'm sure single jimmy garoppolo is probably doing a better job of taking care of his face and his hair and his body than you know old 41 year old kyle shanahan so i'm old sure that plays a role in too jeez man um, let's talk about pff came out with their quarterback ranking bruce Gretkowski, former nfl quarterback he ranked Jimmy Garoppolo as the 22nd best starter in the league. And he did mention, you know, how Jimmy has started fewer than 50% of the game since he, since the beginning of the 2018 season. Uh, He also brought up his play. So he said, Garoppolo has shown he's capable of executing Shanahan's offense at a high level, but he tends to make a few questionable decisions or throws per game. And then he mentioned Trey Lance, how Trey Lance did a phenomenal job of protecting the football in college. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Expect Garoppolo to have a good year, even under such pressure. So he kind of hedges there. You can't rank him as a 22nd best starting quarterback and then say, expect him to have a good year. It's it's either one or the other. 
Um, yeah. What do, you, what do you think about 22nd? Because the names that were above him, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who is a successful NFL starter, obviously. <laughs> there were some some names that I would even push back. And I mean, I'm not the biggest Jimmy guy, but there are plenty of people that I would take or I would take Jimmy over quite a few guys. Uh, I would never in the world take Daniel Jones over Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't care how fast he is, how many physical tools he is. He's just dumb. So hard pass. Uh, what did you think about that ranking? And do you think he should be higher? I'm going to use this as a soapbox to talk about quarterback rankings. Let's so go. I hate that you just rank guys one through three or like starters one through 31 or one through 32 or whatever. And that's that. Personally, I think a lot of these guys on any given week can slide up like 10 spots or slide back like 10 spots. Um, Cause there's your like elite tier guys that are just, you're like Kyle Shanahan said, there's like top five, top seven. You just count on them every week. You know what they're going to give you. And then after that, there's like this giant chunk in the middle that on any given week can play like a fringe top seven guy or could play like a fringe bottom seven guy, depending on the level of competition, depending on who they're playing with, who's healthy, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I prefer to do quarterback tiers rather than just rank these guys, you know, one through 32, just because I think that's more fair and that gives you more leeway personally. Um, but given the fact that Bruce Gradkowski, you know, went against my theory and just ranked Jimmy Garoppolo 22nd, uh, I do think that's a bit low. And you and I, yeah, we aren't the biggest Jimmy guys. I would say on any given week, he's probably between like 12 and like 18. Like that's probably his like range. And, you know, in 2019, they had more of those consistent, better performances. So they won more games, but when he plays like a bottom 15 starter, then they end up losing more games. So he has kind of this range and he's a little bit more high variance, I'd say in terms of when he, you know, just turns the ball over a little bit, then Kyle Shanahan gets a little antsy. They trust him to do less. And then certain games, they just come in and ask him to do, you know, little next to nothing, you know, uh, run a lot of jet sweeps, short throws, all that kind of stuff. So it's hard to just, say, okay, he's the 22nd best starter or whatever, especially given the names ahead of him. Uh, like you mentioned, like Daniel Jones or Fitzpatrick or Trevor Lawrence, who's never even you know stepped on an NFL field for a game. So, yeah, I do think that's low, but I don't think it's like that far off. So some of the comments are saying that it's disrespectful to rank Trevor Lawrence ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo because he's never taken an NFL snap. If we were to pull NFL executives – and we would ask, say, for one drive, for one game, for one series, who would you rather have, Jimmy Garoppolo or Trevor Lawrence? How many out of 30 execs would take Jimmy G? None. And I bet John Lynch would take Trevor Lawrence before he took Jimmy Garoppolo. So why is that disrespectful? Um, I would say it's just disrespectful. It Okay, so my theory when it comes to rookie quarterbacks and when you rank these 32 guys is they just belong in their own tier as rookie quarterbacks, inexperienced, hasn't played enough, whatever, and they don't necessarily fit in the pyramid or the hierarchy, and you just wait to rank them. Like, I I don't, when I said disrespectful or unfair, it's just he hasn't played, so we have no clue how he's going to be, right? I mean, yes, great college quarterback, phenomenal prospect, should translate, all those things, but... Let's just give it some time before we rank him where he needs to be. I would say when you're doing that type of list, just take the rookies off of it. Yeah. Though, 
if you pulled the executives, I'm sure every one of them would take Trevor Lawrence over Garoppolo. Great answer. I agreed 100%. Like, let's just remove, you know, any sort of question marks that we can't, we don't have any data to evaluate them. So why are we including them? Yes, the number one overall quarterback is probably going to be a favorite over Jimmy Garoppolo based on, you know, what he's done in the NFL. But again, uh, I get it. So let's move on to Kyle Shannon, where he explained how Nick Bosa was a game changer. And what I what I loved about this was on Michael Irvin's uh, a podcast with Michael Irvin. So Shanahan said, I'm not comparing Bosa to these guys and then went on to compare him to these guys, which is what they always do. So he said, not comparing these guys, but the type of level of guys are if the Rams don't have Aaron Donald, that's going to be different. If Denver loses Von Miller, it's going to be different. There are just guys on the D line that there's a few different how about J.J. Watt was in Houston? It changes everything. So he said, <laughs> he said, I'm not going to compare Bosa to the best players in the NFL, but here, let me compare him to the best players in the NFL. He just went on about how oh, – here, let me just read the rest of it. So he said, and when you can get good players around people like that and you can have good scheme, it's tough to mess with because it's not people in the league that can block those guys. You can hold on. You can try to scheme and stuff. So you limit opportunities. But those dudes aren't getting blocked. It's a matter of time. So you better make sure it's not a one-dimensional game. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Just Bosa being a game changer, I feel like nobody's forgetting that, how good of a player Bosa is. But when we talk about you know edge rushers and how the 49ers should have drafted an edge rusher in the draft, Bosa is going to make you know Samson Ebicom that much better, even though he's never rushed the passer in the NFL. He's going to take a lot off Eric Armstead's plate because Armstead – is not going to have to do the dirty work on all three downs anymore. Um, Javon Kinlaw instantly got better because Nick Bosa is on the field. So this it's a trickle-down effect, and not just for him, uh, for the secondary as well, because you are not going to have to cover for three to four seconds because nobody can block Nick Bosa for three to four seconds. It's very simple, but he seriously is that good. And when we're talking about game changers, like legit game changers in the NFL, you're not going to make it very far when you're talking about the defensive line uh, without mentioning Nick Bosa. So I'm I'm excited to see how long it takes Nick Bosa to get his legs underneath him because it's going to take time. And it's not fair to expect a guy coming off of a serious knee injury. And, you know, it's 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 not his first one either. So that's the one thing that I would be scary about. And when I say, like, not his first one, he had a he had a serious injury way back when, but he was nicked up in college. And I just think it's going to take probably a game or two to get back into playing shape. But wh- wh- how do you feel about Shanahan's quotes and just Nick Bosa's immediate impact? How long do you think it's going to take for him? My first takeaway when Kyle Shanahan made that comment is that if if you put all the 49ers players in, like, a redraft – and Kyle Shanahan had to pick somebody first, he'd take Nick Bosa first. I think that's how much that's how much he loves the player, believes in his ability. And I think if you were just drinking beers with him and asked him who you who he thought the best player on the team was, he would probably say Nick Bosa. And that's kind of the vibe that I got uh from that quote on Michael Irvin's podcast, which also had some other good nuggets as well. So if you haven't, I, I would go listen to it. Um, but just back to Nick Bosa. Yeah, I think we've talked about this maybe all offseason. I think it's unfair to just place those expectations like, oh, he's going to be an all pro. He's going hit to the, hit the ground running like immediately when he comes and just this defense is going to take off. 
Like, I think it's going to be a slower process than people expect. I do think he'll get there long season. I think he'll be back to 2019 levels by the end of the season or at some point uh, during the season. But just to expect him to go full steam, all three downs, rush the passer, you know, out of the gates week one uh, in Detroit is, you know, kind of unfair, I think. So that would be that. But to your point, I do think he makes everyone better. Uh, Ebukam, Arden Key, Mohurst, Eric Armstead, all those guys are going to benefit from playing off of Bosa. That's what superstars do. And Javon Kinlaw, especially, who I think they only shared, what, two games on the field together last season? Javon Kinlaw is going to benefit greatly. Uh, side note, his quads have their own zip code. I Holy mean, heavens. did you see him in the, have you seen, did you see him in the arrival video? They were <laughs> massive. Yeah. I mean, he is a large human, and if you follow him on social, you know he's been in the he's been in the facility basically every day, uh, grinding away. So I, that D line is going to feast, and it you know starts with the catalyst in Nick Bosa. So part of the reason that I wanted the 49ers to you know invest in another edge rusher was just for that early impact, so you didn't have to overplay Bosa essentially. So you would feel comfortable playing him sixty percent of the snaps for a couple of games while he gets his win back, while he gets his legs underneath him. But all of this said, Bosa's going to probably come out and have like three sacks against the Lions, and none of this will matter. And will <laughs> very stupid, but uh, because he is that special of a player. But I always want to just protect your investment, and the 49ers you know, did that with Trey Lance by doubling down on Aaron Brooks, and or Aaron Brooks, <laughs> Aaron Banks, and also having two running backs. So uh, I get it. I understand, you know, why you you don't want to roll into another season with Daniel Brunskill as your starter and no depth behind him. So um, it makes sense. And offensive line was a bigger priority in that sense than, you know, adding what would be an edge rusher who, you know, down the line you have your bookends, but they they have invested a lot in Eric Armstead. So if anything, they need that guy to – not Very so true. much be the dirty work guy because I do think he is a much better player than fans give him credit for, but he also has an $80 million contract, man. So he's going to have to start putting up <laughs> $80, million, $80 million worth of numbers. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Panay Sewell, Nick Bosa week one is going to be must watch TV. I think that Panay Sewell is going to have a little bit of welcome to the NFL moment in that sense. And I don't. Hell yeah. He's not a bad player by any means, and he's probably going to be a very good player. But he's like, what, 2021? And he didn't play in 2020? And his first matchup is going to be, hey, yeah, go guard this Nick – or go block this Nick Bosa guy all game. Um, If I'm D'Amico Ryans, I just go all at him or make sure that he gets one-on-one matchups all the time. So if you have to blitz to to ensure that's the case, do it. But – yeah, I'm making this rookie block Nick Bosa, who made Joe Staley look like an average person in training camp. Like, there's one person that I've seen in pretty much three to four years of watching Nick Bosa make Bosa look like, you know, an average person. And that player is on the 49ers. So, um, would not have any. Trent Williams. Yeah, he's, uh, he's decent. Um, would not have any, any issue. Uh, overwhelming Panay Sewell if I was the defensive coordinator. So you, you mentioned Shanahan would redraft if there was a 49ers draft. And we do this at the just during the offseason where we all rank the 49ers players. Last year, I ranked Trent Williams number one and Bosa number two. How low do you think – how far would Trent Williams fall for Shanahan? Because 
we don't know how he values, you know, obviously we know how he values Trent Williams, but True. We, don't how, we don't know how he values anyone else. Would he go Kittle because Kittle seems like the type of guy that everybody ever loves? Or would he go like what Fred Warner? Like where else would he go? Let's uh, what do you got? I think it would go Nick Bosa one. I mean, coming off the injuries a little different, but let's just say these guys are all healthy. I would imagine he goes Nick Bosa one, probably Trent Williams two. Those are probably his two most favorite guys on the team, as well as the guys that he thinks are the best as well. And maybe Kittle's probably in the top five, I would I would say. Maybe three. Uh, Fred Warner might be right in the mix as well. Um, but we've seen, right? They they needed to pay Trent Williams. They had to. And Shanahan just was basically like, pay him whatever he wants. It's a blank check. Take it. Um, whereas with Kittle, they went back and forth for a long time before they settled on a contract. So... Again, it's a little different, but it tells me just how much they really, really value Williams, who was a lot older at the time compared to Kittle. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Williams, how long Williams can keep last year's level of play up because he'll be 33 in July, but there's no sign of him. Like the only sign of him slowing down would be if he's not on the field. And that's, you know, that has to be the one thing you worry about, especially as he gets older. But hopefully he's able to protect himself because, man, he is a hell of a player, and there's no getting around that at all. So uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review. Leave us a five-star rating and let us know what you would like us to talk about, What, how you feel about the 49ers, whatever it is. Quarantine Jimmy, let us know. Um, Akash, where can we follow you on the internet? Appreciate everyone for listening. As Kyle just said, do rate, subscribe, review to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hopefully later this offseason and during the season, we'll be doing more shows live on YouTube uh, for the pod so that we get to interact with you guys, which is our favorite. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V as usual. Just throw us your tw- takes. I'm here for all the Quarantine Jimmy takes. Uh, one last thing, wanted to congratulate Fred Warner uh, and his fiance on getting engaged this past weekend. You know what they say, happy wife, happy life. So hopefully uh, his off-field success will translate to an even better season on the field.